You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to another episode of The Uncommon Podcast, where I am your host, Ryan. And I'm Philip. Today's episode finds us taking on a rather bold and ambitious task, mm, which we're I all about. Those. That's uncommon. But before I reveal said task, I want to share a quote that I believe is attributed to the incomparable Tony Robbins. Mm. And Mr. Robbins, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. But uh, <laughs> he's quoted as saying, the quality of your life is a direct reflection of the quality of questions you're asking yourself. So, Phil, do you agree with Mr. Robbins? Do you think he's full of hogwash? Bear in mind, you're going to have to stand by your answer when he comes on the show as a guest. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I'd like to say like it's hogwash, but I'd feel like it's actually pretty good. Yeah, who's going to tell Tony Robbins he doesn't know what he's talking about? If anybody, I would do that. But <laughs> for this one, I was like, I just can't. That's actually a really good quote. Yeah, yeah. I tend to agree with the idea. Uh, I certainly acknowledge Tony Robbins is a brilliant man. Um, so if he makes a claim, I'm... I'm going to probably roll the dice that it's there's truth there. But uh, the questions we ask ourselves and our corresponding answers, I think, are crucial in shaping our worldview and our identity. And mm-hmm. you know, what are the questions we ask about ourselves, the world, other people, our purpose? I think like poignant questions can create profound insight, which in turn can lead to purposeful like direction in our lives. Yes. Yeah, not only is it the questions we ask ourselves, but I think it's the answers and the truthful answers that we answer these questions. Yeah. Because yeah. you can lie to yourself all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a couple of friends that do that. And I'm, I don't know if it's my life mission, but I'm like, hey, man, like that's not the best thing if I just let you keep believing that because it might not be true. Yeah. I'm probably so, guilty of lying to myself. From time I feel to like time. we all are. Yeah. That's why I want a friend to be able to speak truth. And when I can't see my own issues yeah. or I'm not being honest, then they can speak into it. So that's what I value. If we want to live an uncommon life, then we should be asking uncommon questions of ourselves as well as the people around us. So in the spirit of asking uncommon questions, Ryan and I have taken it upon ourselves to identify the top 10 questions every man or every person must ask themselves. Right off the bat, uh, we'll state that the obvious, this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, we haven't even thought through every important question. And quite honestly, it took me, I was just like, yeah, let me just <laughs> quick look at what this is uh, and go from there. So um, so if we miss one uh, or you have a good one, we want to hear from you. So yeah. let us know. Hit us up. Let us know what we missed. Hit us up. I think I'll, one other thing that I'll say right out of the gate is like coming up with these questions is a good exercise of like self-reflection. And I think that can be a helpful and healthy practice but you can kind of air too much on the spectrum, like too much introspection, I think can be unhelpful. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? I think it's a good and natural desire to want to learn about yourself. Like what are, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? My tendencies, good and bad. Mm-hmm. My values. We talk about core values a lot, mm-hmm. my desires and use this insight in your personal pursuit of growth. Personal insight can help us enjoy healthier lives, cultivate stronger relationships and create victorious vision. 
but too much self-reflection i think can cause a person to become like self-absorbed even like narcissistic yeah um which is of course we want to avoid that we never want to try to yeah <laughs> we want to live as, we don't want to live as if the world and everyone in it revolves around us and so i think a key component to self-reflection is humility yeah and c.s lewis good. has a great quote he defines humility as not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less so we want to ask and answer these important questions in light of a larger context of how Doing so will not just empower us to be better versions of ourselves, but also enable us to like better serve and love other people yeah, yeah. and just participate in God's redemptive plan for humanity. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's really good. Okay. Yeah. I would cool. also edify that. Cool. Well, Tony Robbins. Dude, me and Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what I'm just getting at. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the last thing I'll I'll kind of touch on before we get into our list is Apostle Paul's exhortation in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine yourselves to see whether or whether you are in the faith. Mm -hmm. And while we aren't going to do like the deep theological dive into what it means to determine if we're in the faith, I think a good rule of thumb is to ask like, what fruit am I seeing produced in my life? Mm -hmm. Uh, What Mm -hmm. fruit are other people seeing? Uh, Allow people to, like you said, allow people to speak into your life of like, yeah, I'm seeing this fruit. I'm not really seeing this one. And yeah. taking the the log out of our own eye before pointing out the speck in each, each other's. So without further ado, Phil and I will share our questions and then offer some context around each and ask each other questions. So, That's your first one. Yeah, I think we, we had the same one. <laughs> this is the first time oh. we saw each other's lips. So we know it's the right question. Oh my goodness. What am I having for breakfast? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One ply or two ply? No, <laughs> always two. Um, okay, go. Is, you, you want me to go? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who is Jesus to me? Like now, here's another thing. I really wrestled with this, like being wrestled like thirty seconds. But like, is it who am I, or who is Jesus to me? And for a believer, I feel like this is the better question: is who is Jesus to me? Who is this man people keep portraying as the savior of the world? Who is that to me? Mm. Uh, but I also think like, if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, you probably won't be, but uh, you know, who am I is the question. But for me, I think a better question for me is who is Jesus to me? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think knowing who we are, especially if we're followers of Christ, like to know who we are, we have to know who Jesus is because our identity is in him. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, this was my first question as well. I think this and is worded the, the same way. Yeah. Yeah. This is the most important question that I think anyone and everyone will ever answer. Give you some biblical context. So Matthew 16, verse 13 through 15, this is really kind of where this shows up. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is son of man? He was referring to himself. They replied, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus replied, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, God love him, known for kind of putting his foot in his mouth from time to time, actually like hits it out of the park here. He's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commends him um, and says like flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. Yeah, I've answered this question in much the same way as Peter, like I will say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if that is true, then my life needs to be a reflection of Christ, of love, obedience, and faith in him. Mm. And I mean, this is the most important thing we can really talk about on this show. But if you're listening to this and and you've never answered the question, 
Like that is an answer. Like if your answer is, Oh, I don't know who Jesus is, or right. I don't really care. Then like, that's your answer. And, I, and we would implore. That's okay then. Like, yeah. Now, now we'll, go try to figure it right. out. Right. We don't want you to stop there. <laughs> right. um, we would implore you to like explore the life of yeah. Jesus in the gospel, discover who he is, understand like there are a lot of false claims mm. of the person of right. Jesus. So don't just go down the research rabbit hole online. Be careful with that. Easy. But uh, search the word of God, allow God's spirit to guide you into all truth, which he promises to do. Find a believer um, and let that person kind of walk you through the scriptures. But this is, yeah, this is the most important question. Yeah. And I think, so this goes into my second question. Like once you understand what Jesus has done for you and your life is bought with a price, the gratefulness that you feel is then how does that change the way you live your life is my second question. How does this change the way you live your life? How do you apply what you now know to be true? How do you now apply that to other people? What should happen, it should be an outpouring of the grace that you've been given. Mm -hmm. You should be way more gracious to other people. You should be forgiving. You should be doing things, serving others and things like that. But that's, I think, an important question for me. Okay, now that I know that to be truth, how is my life being different? Kind of like what you said. Well, what's the fruit of, yeah. of what you believe? Yeah. And yeah, we, we don't get saved by God for us to then become really self-righteous right. in our religion and start to look down on people because we were, it's by the grace of God, we were where they are. And so we yeah. need to look on people who are lost and stumbling around in the darkness with compassion because right. it's only because of God's grace that he lifted us out of that mm -hmm. pit of sin and desperation. So, right. Good. Yeah, my second question was just what are my core values? And we've talked about this at nauseum on this show, but it is an important thing to come back to and kind of similar to what you're saying of like how do how does my core values, how do they inform the mission of my life? How do I use them to filter decisions mm -hmm. uh, in my relationships, lead my family? Uh, my core values are faith, authenticity, devotion, humor, mm -hmm. freedom, discovery, and stewardship. So I've got seven of them there. They're probably not going to be the same the rest of my life. Yeah, that's good. Um, if you want to hear Phil and I go into more depth on core values, you can listen to that episode. We only have like 44 episodes. It won't be hard for you to find. We you haven't started numbering them yet. I'm not going to do that until we have like 100. 482. Yeah. Then we're gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we also have like an awesome worksheet that you can download from our website for free that will really walk you through how to discover your own core values and your personal mission statement. So good. Theuncommon.com. Third question I have, in what ways are you serving people? Nice. To me, relationships is a very big thing. And so if you aren't serving people, chances are the relationships around you are probably suffering, mm -hmm. or there's not a lot of people that you're interacting with, which I feel like is wrong because Jesus was with the people. He was interacting with people. He had great relationships. So for me, the way to have great relationships, the way that he's demonstrated that and led is by serving others. So to me, uh, in what ways are you serving people? Yeah. And it kind of gives this, it pulls the focus off of yourself and it gives you the, the access of serving somebody. And I think it's the right posture to be in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And just being sensitive to God's spirit and his voice of may he might call you to serve somebody. Right. And you weren't expecting it. Right. And the times where I'd say that like God's led me to serve, it's probably because my wife is, she's, her heart is so big, but going to serve, like they, at some point we were working with refugees a lot and the joy that I would feel after we would leave these, 
these situations were probably way more enjoyable than what they were like that. I felt like I was being blessed more mm. than they were. And so, uh, and it was just take the focus off myself and put it on somebody else. Mm. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on like, even the flip side of that, of allowing others to serve you? Yeah. I think that's a huge deal. And I think it takes authenticity. It takes vulnerability, but at the end you have better relationships around you mm. because nobody does this life by themselves. And what I would say is sometimes you just need help. Mm -hmm. And the people who can be honest and tell people, hey, I need help, and then ask for help, I feel like are better and more genuine relationships that they have around the whole table. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, somebody's going to feel comfortable enough to ask you for help. Mm -hmm. So I think, one, it's hard. Yeah. Two, I think it's important. And then three, I think it strengthens relationships more than you ever thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think of like when I'm in a position or when I'm in a situation where I, someone has the opportunity to serve me, mm. there is kind of in that, that reaction in the flesh of like, it's like not wanting to, cause it's almost like taking the power away from you or you're in like the vulnerable position, but to kind of change the way you think about it is like, this is an opportunity to let someone glorify God by using their God given abilities and they're blessing me. And so I'm being a blessing by being humble and letting them use their giftings right. in that. Right. So that you want them to be, to come to you when they need something. Right. So then you have to lead out of example of saying yeah. like, Hey, I gotta, I need help. Right. Okay. Sorry. Sure. No, you're good. My third question was where am I currently placing my identity? Mm -hmm. So I think as a man, uh, cause that's all I know, <laughs> you know, the temptation to, find identity in work or finances, health, my appearance, my relationships, you know, do I have a great marriage? Do I have this picture perfect family? Mm -hmm. Um, which nobody does, but, or, or is my identity in the first place or the one place where it actually mm -hmm. matters? And that again, being in Jesus Christ, like we talked about, like knowing who Jesus is informs who we are. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean for me to find my identity solely in Christ? It means that I, only let Jesus and not the world like tell me who I am. And and the cool thing about God's word is he does tell us who we are. And some examples are like, I am loved. I am chosen, forgiven, saved, free. I'm a spirit empowered witness. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a conqueror over sin and death. I'm a co-heir with Christ, a son of the King. You know, that's just, I'm like, an image bearer. Yeah. That's right. just the tip of the iceberg. And right. like no trials or circumstances can, can ever change who I am in Jesus. So it's good. Just, and those are like affirmations that I, you know, remind myself of in my daily devotional time. And I'll just close this one by saying like, we're all tempted to place our identity in idols. Uh, whether you place your identity in your job or wealth or looks or accomplishments or status, whatever it is, like all of those things are are fading away. But even when you do have them and they are going good, they can't, actually fulfill like the deepest desires of your your mm -hmm. heart in the way that jesus can because yeah. he made you, your heart so right it's good it's good uh how can you be authentic right now i love this question because i think it gets down to the core of like don't be duplicitous no one can live two lives so how are you being authentic right now? Because the more authentic you can be, the more people can then decide, hey, I really like this person or I don't. Either way, I think it's important for you to be authentic with yourself. 
Um, and honestly, like this is easy to try to please others and be the chameleon. Mm. But I think that that only catches up to you later. It's like, how can you be authentic now? And one of my core job, my core values is being authentic. Yeah. And so how can I be authentic now? And that means sometimes it gets uncomfortable yeah. because I'll tell people like, I'm really having a bad day <laughs> or, Hey, I'm really not excited to come to this meeting, but what can we do to get it? Ex- what can we do to get this back to exciting where I feel like this is, Oh yeah, I'm leaning in now. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times I'm leading those situations. So I'm kind of leading with authenticity, knowing that I can change something. And sometimes I try to curb that when I'm like doing something for somebody else that I'm like, not really loving this, mm-hmm. but, um, anyway, I do think asking yourself, like, how can we authentic right now? Yeah. You know? And I think that you're going to have more of a joy because you're just being honest. Yeah. With yourself. Yeah. Hearing you explain that, it made me think of your experience with the rag, rag what is it? Ragnarok? Ragnar. The Ragnar race. <laughs> Cause you shared authentically yes. that it was hard and dirty and like there were times where you really didn't enjoy it, but that didn't mean like you just started complaining and you were like a jerk to people. It's just like, right. This is hard, but I'm going to try to see the silver lining in it. And I'm going to try to stay positive. Yeah. But yeah, that's a cool thing. Cause like God doesn't ask us to be stoic. Like you read the Psalms, like man, David was yeah. Authentic, like questioning God, expressing grief and despair and fear and anger. And like, those are human emotions that God's given us with given to us, but we need to bring them, you know, under his Lordship. Yeah. I remember my boy, Marco saw me at Ragnar. He's like, man, this is, this is the best thing ever. Like seeing you out of your element. And I was like, oh man, I am like, this is not my jam. Yeah. But we had a great, like, and I'm going back again. So like there's times where you're, uh, uncomfortableness is is actually a memory yeah it's cool to put yourself in hard situations where the real you is just forced to come to the surface (laughs) and you can just embrace it i think about gabe chamberlain like i'm not doing this yeah going to the ice bath yeah man but he did it yeah for sure okay sorry uh my fourth question is how am i doing with showing my loved ones how much i care about them so that's a good one starts with my marriage like how am i pursuing my wife um, mm. how am I, yeah, just approaching her with, we talk about appreciation and curiosity when I get home from work. Is it just, Hey, how's your day? Yeah. How are the kids? Mm-hmm. Or am I like, do I actually take interest in her as a person, as my, my mm. wife? And that takes creativity and intentionality. And I'm not always good about that. Right. How am I showing up intentionally as a dad? Am I getting home and using work as an excuse to plop down on the couch and mm. watch TV or scroll on my phone? Or when my right. son says, dad, will you play? Like, do I like eagerly and joyfully put my phone right. away? And like, yeah, let me go sit on the uncomfortable floor and play with this toy that I'm going to end up putting away. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And then just like, how am I adding value to my, my friends and, and even just people that I don't really know, but just like in my, my day, how am I, um, that's good. Showing people that I don't even know love, the love of Christ. And that that could be the one thing that moves them closer to a relationship with Christ. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Next one is uh is my is my word mean something to people? Like, are you a man of your word? Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And I would say not only, and this is a good litmus test, if your word means nothing to you, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else. So when you say to somebody, hey, I'll get that done this afternoon, 
Like, do you get it done that afternoon? And for me, there's been times where I almost just check myself and I'll tell myself, okay, I'm going to do this at the end of the day today. And nobody will know if I don't, Mm. but I do. Does that make sense? And I will like 80% to 90% of the time I'll do it because I want my word to mean something to myself. Mm. And in that, I want my word to mean something to other people. And so is your word means something to, to somebody else. Like, I can't tell you if somebody told me, like, if I said something like, Hey, I'll get to that this afternoon. And they'll say, well, we'll see. Like I would be in a heap, like, because my word doesn't mean anything to them. And what did I do to get to that point? Um, Because at the end of the day, I believe that your word is really one of the things that you can, you should be able to have some merit. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then what are your relationships really mean around you? Yeah makes or breaks your integrity, right? And that's a hard thing to undo if you've shown yourself to be a person not of your word or you're not dependable. Mm. People are like, after that first time, it's kind of like, it's hard to kind of repair. It is. You know? Yeah. It's good. My next question was, when was the last time I was truly excited about something? That's Mm. just an an important Mm. one. Like, we get so bogged down in our, our rituals and our schedules and our routines. Like there's, and we've talked about the surprising benefits of being surprised, but just you got to sprinkle in some excitement, whether it happens organically or you're kind of manufacture it. And uh, I would say the last time I got excited by an experience was really just our elevate weekend. Like obviously a lot of planning and preparation went into it, but we didn't really know how it was going to go down. So there was almost that excitement of like anxiety of like, man, there's some risk here. Like it could go it really could not bad. go great. <laughs> yeah. And taking three guys I'd never met to a pretty unfamiliar city, even though you have that plan, like we didn't know what the outcome would be And like, praise God, it went way better than we could have made it with all the planning in the world. But yeah. And I, I know that I get, I'm excited about it because I'm still excited that we had that experience and it makes me excited for the next one. And it, it also just makes me ask like, what's like the next kind of just out of the box experience I can like Mm -hmm. embrace and like Mm -hmm. step into. So it's like, once you do it once, it kind of, at least for me, for sure fuels that desire. Let me ask you, like, what's the last time you were excited about something? I'm excited about this weekend. What's this weekend? I'm kind of an excited person, just so people know. <laughs> I'm excited for Frisbee. Yeah, that's excited. pretty much true. Yeah, but what's this weekend? This Give weekend little... is the, the uh, rite of passage. So I'm taking my son, 13 years old, with his grandparents, uh, his grandpas. So me, my father, uh, my wife's father, and then an uncle of Beckham's. And we're going to go on this kind of like, hey, we're going to start looking at you as a man from here on out. Uh, he's 13 years old. And I know what you're thinking. Like, well, you can't be a man at 13. Let me tell you what I've, I've landed the plane at. All right. Uh, it's either you act like he's a man because he's getting bombarded with what the world is like, just a whole bunch of uh, like manly stuff, like with porn and drugs and all these things like the world is coming in on Beckham. And mm-hmm. I want to be able to be the person to be like, no, you're a man now. And you're going to be hit with a lot of different things. But what I want you to understand for this weekend is that we are here to support, help, and love you and answer any questions as you go forward. And so that's this weekend. That's so awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. And yeah, super excited for you guys. Fear not listeners. We'll definitely do a follow-up uh, not. episode interview with, with Philip and Beckham. And I'm yeah. excited for that. But yeah. I love just the 
I, I honestly, as a father of two young boys, like I'm already looking forward to doing this because I think back on my adolescence and for me, it comes down to that question of like, when did you know that you were a man? And yes. for the life of me, I cannot tell you right. when that happened. Um, and it's like one of the craziest uh, icebreakers. Like if you're just with a couple guys, like, hey, when did you know that you were a man? <laughs> it is the craziest. Like yeah. all of a sudden their wheels start turning. So, But the Sorry. fact that you're not just telling Beckham like, hey, we now consider you a man. It's we consider you a man because of these reasons, mm-hmm. because the world is going to say you're a man when you have your first beer or, you know, you hook up with a girl or you get your driver's license. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that aren't godly mm-hmm. or healthy pursuits, mm-hmm. but you can, you can say you're, you're becoming a man. You're not an adult, but you're becoming a man because we are now going to give you more responsibility. Right. Right. Uh, we're going to expect more of you um, with that comes more uh you know benefits Mm -hmm. but there's great responsibility with that so yeah so that's what i'm excited about nice thanks for asking all right uh what in what ways are you leading those around you that's my other question and that to me is maybe more towards me uh but i feel like we are called or i've been called to lead um and sometimes that means being a follower for the record but um, in what ways are you leading those around you? And in another way, because it's like, in what ways are you taking responsibility for where you're at currently? And I feel like that's been a blessing for those people around me uh, in my life of just taking responsibility. And for me, that is what a leader does is takes responsibility. So uh, in what ways are you leading those around you? How are you leading them? Where are you taking them? Or do you have a vision? Do you have a common goal? All those things are kind of like a subset of that question. And that's why, in what ways are you leading those around you Mm -hmm. uh, for me? Nice. Let me ask this question. Like, where does uh, your wife, Erin, come into play? Yeah. Obviously, you're leading her, but then together you guys are leading the family. Yeah, for sure. So she does a really good job of leading the home life. And like, what's the schedule this weekend? No idea. But my wife does. And and the way that I can lead her in that is by supporting her and like serving her in that. Okay, what do you need me to do? Well, Saturday, it's going to get crazy. Mm-hmm. Like after we get home from our rite of passage, we go all different ways from Sunday. Yeah. We got three kids in three different cities playing three different sports. Oh, <laughs> and so it gets really crazy. And so she does a really good job of leading the family and the family calendar. I serve her and how can I help and awesome. love Uh, But that means like talking through stuff. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is where I feel like we should be going. Do you have any like, and bouncing ideas off of, and we've had time and this is probably a longer story, but when you first got married, I was like, well, I'm the head of the household. I'll lead. And that didn't go well Mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't very sacrificial or serving mentality. And, and so now I get to ask her, Hey, this is where I think we're going to go. Can you see any other ways or any other things that could go wrong mm. that maybe I'm not projecting or seeing? And then she'd be like, oh, maybe this or that. But she really trusts me to take a decision because she knows I'll take responsibility. But that's a good question. Yeah. So it sounds like it's important to have conversations with our wives on just our united vision and absolutely our respective roles that we play in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Right. And then take responsibility if it go wrong, even if it's something that your wife's like, no, we should do this. It will. Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Just, just say like, no, that, that was my decision that we made together, but I was the one who, you know, we're good. Yeah. So. All right. Ready for some, getting into some vulnerable stuff here. Mm. My sixth one is what fears or insecurities are hindering my growth or success. Ah. This kind of, yeah, takes some honest, I mean, all these take honest reflection, but um, you're kind of getting into nitty gritty here. So 
I just said like, as much as I know that failure is a path to growth, like in my mind, I know that part of me still fears it in the sense, like if I try and don't exceed at something, however you kind of define success, mm-hmm. um, then I'll be perceived by others as like a failure. Mm. Specifically with like starting the uncommon, right? like a benchmark of success if you're starting a business is revenue and like engagement from your audience or customers. And so yes. when you're not experiencing much of either, it is easy to feel insecure and like imposter syndrome sets in. Yep. Uh, you, you know, I can hear about the success of others and thoughts of like, what's wrong with me? Or like, am I not smart, good, talented enough? And I've just got to remind myself, like going back to the first one, like who is Jesus to me and who am I in him? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not more or less valuable as a man. If I'm quote unquote successful in business or making X amount of money, like my, I'm never more or less loved by God. Right. And my identity is not going to change if, you know, if I'm homeless or if I'm living in a mansion. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> but just being mindful of like those fears and insecurities and not just trying to ignore them, but just give them to God. It's interesting that you say that are hindering you from growth or success. Cause mine, I do have, what is my biggest fear? Uh, but I don't have like that are hindering me from, but I, I like that that's going one step further, giving yeah. you a little bit more specificness of it to maybe yeah. try to track down what's the core here. That's good. But my, one of my questions is what is your biggest fear? And understanding that, like my thought was just like, how can I be hands open instead of cl- clenched hands? Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I want to just put that in there so I can kind of just move on. Okay. Well, so wait, hold on. Like when you say what, it, when you ask yourself the question, what is your biggest fear? And you say the hands clench versus open. Mm-hmm. So is that like getting into like just security kind of, or how do you kind of unpack that? Well, I kind of go back to James chapter one, verse two, be joyful in time of trials. I feel like I do some of my most growth in trials. And so sometimes the way that God helps you build that character and endurance is by maybe going after your biggest fear, right? So what is my biggest fear? Like something would happen to my wife or kids, right? And then working through that in a way, but like understanding who God is doesn't change. Um, And also like processing through what would happen, right? Like how would God refine me in that moment? I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But you would, you'd really have to have some really honest conversations of, am I really serving a God that I love throughout all costs? Yeah. And what does that do? And who would maybe be watching things like that? Um, what's your biggest fear? And are you, for me, running away from that fear? Or are you trying to go and like chase after God, whatever that fear is like, hey, start another business. Like, Oh, that, that, what if it doesn't work or whatever it is, but trying to kind of dissect. And that's why I like yours is like, what is it costing you? What is it hindering you? From yeah. Doing? Yeah. I think if I were to try to take a swing at answering that, what is my biggest fear? I think just something I'm mindful of is like getting to the end of my life, however many years God mm. gives me and just looking back and saying like, I didn't really take any chances. Like I didn't, yeah. I don't know who I could have been because yeah. I just played it safe. Yeah, I'd rather start 20 businesses and have them all fail and, and have, you know. the, and have the reward of like everything I learned and, and how I grew yeah. than to like never try and just play it safe. Yeah, that's that's real. Yeah. Kind of playing off your question, how am I doing serving people? My next question was like, when was the last time I served someone and it cost me significantly? Wow. And honestly, I don't have an answer <laughs> to this. 
And I think that begs like another question is like, how much am I willing to suffer or sacrifice in order to serve another person? And like, does it have to be someone in my immediate family? Like, would I do the same thing for a complete stranger than I would for someone in my immediate family? I, I hesitate to say yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's easy to serve someone in a capacity that it, when it doesn't cost you very much, whether it's mm-hmm. with your time, your money, your, your ego. And I was actually just reading in second Samuel 24, like a couple of days ago. And it's like, after David has gone through being, you know, in exile from Saul and then from Absalom and just being on the run and like, God has kind of started to restore his kingdom and David goes to build an altar for the Lord and he offers to buy the threshing floor of a man named Arona. I don't know if that's how you say it, but basically this guy tells David, it's like, you can have whatever you want, no charge. Yep. And David's response is, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And at that, I think the point there is like sacrifice that costs us nothing isn't actually a sacrifice. That's powerful. (laughs) So a true sacrifice requires like giving up something valuable for the sake of something else. So I'm just, yeah, want to be more mindful of that. And and the integrity that it had for Daniel to say that, right? Yeah. It could have been like, thanks. Yeah. This is a blessing. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But sacrifice it. Yeah. Just to see like that tendency in our Mm -hmm. own heart of like, well, this Mm -hmm. won't actually mean what it could mean. It's like, it's got a cost. It's got to hurt a little bit. Yeah. So, okay. What is God teaching me? I love this question. And there's a couple, you can deduce a couple things from it. But uh, for me, are you in the word of God? And then what is God teaching you? Even if you're not in the word of God, I feel like it's it's really important to understand what God is trying to teach you in every moment. Because everything, I mean, he is in our life. He is in me, the Holy Spirit. And so God is trying to teach me something and he's going to do it. And I hope that I I can learn from it because if he doesn't, then I think trials will come and yeah. <laughs> produce that. So what's one thing he's been teaching you lately? Yeah. Uh, I've been going through sermon on the Mount and man, it's been really good. And I feel like it just speaks directly to what I'm kind of dealing with or like, don't be anxious. Like, mm. Oh man, like I needed to hear that today. So I feel like it's almost a conversation with God yeah. and I'm reading his word. I'm like, Oh, I needed to hear that. Yeah. So Right now, it's just don't be anxious. Yep. What is the says like in all things with prayer and supplication, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Yeah, and that part's huge because I think that just reminds me like let's like look back on all mm-hmm. of God's faithfulness with mm-hmm. gratitude and know like He doesn't change. So even though my circumstances change and I don't see the outcome here, like He's not. And we were talking about this in our connection group of like God's faithfulness, and so often we equate His faithfulness to like the moment where He answers the prayer. It's like God is faithful oh, throughout yeah. the yeah. whole storm. Like right. he's faithful when we're in the boat and it's going down, not just when he calms the storm. Yeah. So I needed to be reminded of that. I would say too, the thing that God's teaching me is the joy is in the journey or there's a gift in the grind. There's hard work. And I think I've mentioned this before. My wife and family like to go hiking. And there was one specific hike on uh, Estes National Park. And, uh, I remember specifically, like, I can't wait to go and get on top of this mountain. It's going to be beautiful. And about a quarter way in, I think God was just like, stop, mm-hmm. be present, like, mm-hmm. look around. Like, and I like saw the whole like landscape and color. All of a sudden I'm like, this is beautiful. Like we're enjoying it. Like, it's just, oh my goodness, there's an elk over there. Yeah. You know, like it just would change the whole 
hike mm. for me. Cause I just got to be present and remembering like, yeah, this is hard work, but it is beautiful. Yeah. And like this little trail, like now we're on a little wood trail. Like this is amazing. Yeah. And then we get on top of this mountain, it's overcast. And I'm telling you, I couldn't count the amount of mosquito bites we got. Like, <laughs> so if that would have been my only def definition of success, I would have been a very, uh, I've just been very frustrated mm -hmm. and I would have been underwhelmed of, but because it was about the, the hike up and yeah. the hike down, I had one of the best hikes ever. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I was like, did you have that same uh, level of appreciation as you guys were descending and walking yeah, back down? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and it was almost more of a compliment that I think God gave me as a gift of like Mount now see Philip. Like if you would have just been focusing on the end result, you'd have been very frustrated. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, my next question was, when was the last time I persevered through something difficult, whether something I chose to do or just mm -hmm. some, something like unwillingly? Mm -hmm. And this is definitely a convicting question because as I thought about it, I I do see a tendency in myself to kind of take on these challenges and then kind of throw in the towel when it becomes like mm -hmm. boring or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And like I've completed some physical challenges and done you know, we, we have the episode on fasting and so I've done some longer fast, but I've also just kind of been a little impetuous in starting bigger commitments that I haven't like stuck with. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's a product of just like not counting the cost and not thinking like, okay, this is actually going to be hard. And there are going to be like inevitable moments where I'm going to want to quit. Mm -hmm. And even just like attaching it to like a bigger, why, like, why am I doing this? Is mm -hmm. it just to do it? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I just, I don't want to be the type of man who like gives up. Like I want to have grit and resilience and like see my commitments through and going back to like your SBS. If I say I'm going to do something, do it. Otherwise, like just don't commit to it. Right. Nobody <laughs> asked you to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. convicting. Uh, what is God asking of me? And this is one of like the application and I think maybe that's probably why James is my favorite like book of the Bible. Cause it's like where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Like it's application, baby. Uh, there's action happening. And Faith without works is dead. Yeah. So what is God asking of me? It's a different question, but I think it kind of puts everything else in perspective. And then are you willing to do it? I think that's the question. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, this whole rite of passage this weekend specifically really couldn't have come in like a worse time. <laughs> For me and just personally and a lot going on in the business. And like, this is really the last thing that I have on. And I bet you like when I was like, well, I'm doing the rite of passage this weekend. Ryan's like, wait, what? Like I was a little surprised. Yeah. Pleasantly so. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to like, and I think this is what God was teaching me and asking of me of like, Philip, I want you to continue to keep your priorities the right way. Mm. And, and this is something that I, I hold in a high regard and I need to do it no matter what the circumstance is yeah. like. That's what God was asking me. And, and it's been a blessing, although be it busy, yeah. it's been really good. That's what God was asking of me and just saying, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely am confident God's going to reward that step of obedience. And I know we want to, especially with something like this, where there, it's significant and we've never done it before. Ideally, it's like, yeah, I've got three months to plan. Uh -huh. Works pretty slow right now. I can be like super intentional and like have every detail planned. Yep. But it's not about our no. planning. It's like God, like you said, God just wants to know, will you be faithful and do it and trust him to make it what it needs to be? Yes. And this date, I just need to be honest. I'll take ownership in this. This date, uh, so 
March or April 1st, March 31st, April 1st has been on my mind for six months. Hmm. Like this is a great date for it. And I procrastinated it. Mm -hmm. I procrastinated it and procrastinated it and procrastinated it. Or like things just kept coming up, kept coming up. And so that's the reason why we're kind of behind the eight ball because I was the one who didn't do what I needed to do three months ago. And so, man, yeah, right. (laughs) And so I've taken ownership of that. Like that was on me and praise the Lord. We pulled it all together and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, but it was one of those things like, man, I really dropped the ball here. And it was convicting of me as I kind of got up. It was like, Philip, like you always say this is a priority, but it hasn't been. Mm. So I'm yeah. making it a priority. Yeah, man. That, no, it's going <laughs> to no matter be... what the time commitment yeah. level was. And I was up last night, pretty late, just answering questions that I, I ask other people to answer. That's and awesome. So, no, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, all right. Almost wrapping up question. Number nine I had was what legacy am I creating with my life? So mm. This is a question that we ask some of our guests of like, you know, at the end of your, towards the end of your life, especially if you're married, like, and you and your spouse are reflecting on the decades of marriage and parenting, like, what are you celebrating together? And, you know, hopefully it's a legacy of faith in Christ. And I believe that it will be more than anything in my life. I want to see my children and grandchildren walking faithfully with the Lord and I know I'm not responsible for the salvation of any of my family members, but I do have an integral role to play in like modeling Christ to my children and, and teaching them and, and, you know, making our, our home and family, like family discipleship, prioritizing that um, and, and hoping and praying that they'll then continue that legacy in their families and future generations. So, right. Yep. Yeah. The generational blessings. Yeah. They're real. Well, all right. My last question is how can I be more like Jesus today? And to me, this puts in a lot of perspective, but, and I, I've referenced this before. I'm sorry. The chosen, they do such a good job of like humanizing Jesus in a way that like, I want to be like that guy, that guy right there. He's funny. He's also honest. He's caring, gentle, but firm when he has to be. How can I be more like Jesus today? How can I serve better? How can I sacrifice for those around me? Um, That is a question I think that gives him control. Cause as much as I want an amazing legacy and all these things, I feel like if I can just be more like Jesus and we just did a podcast with RJ and he was like, I just want when people look at me to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's really good. Like sometimes I can get prideful and like, oh, I want that. but no, it's how can I be more like Jesus and mm-hmm. how can I give glory to him and then let him control the rest of everything. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's like, we can't will ourselves to be like Jesus. It takes complete surrender of our heart, submission to his spirit in us. Mm. Uh, I was reading in um, John 15, just the, the, the vine and the branches. And Jesus is like, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we got to be abiding in him mm. in his word. You know, like he got up early and prayed to his heavenly father. Like we need to be doing those things. And yeah, it's not, it's not a matter of our willpower or submission. Right. All right. Last question I had is what do I want my loved ones to remember and say about me when my life here ends? So it kind of plays off the legacy, but, and, and even just our, our episode of, uh, writing your own eulogy. Yep. So what I hope my family and loved ones say is that I was faithful to God to, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a friend, son, brother, uncle, et cetera that I trusted God with my life and just saw him do amazing things in my family and career and my relationships. 
that I loved life and loved people and that I didn't show like partiality, but that I loved and served like all kinds of, of people, regardless of their, their background. Cause that's what Jesus did. It's good. Are we done? We're done. Do you have any, uh, honorable mentions? Oh. Anything that didn't make the list? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm like the king of like trying to ask people like harder questions. Yeah. And like Dude, just seeing got their... some arsenal here now. Yeah, I do. And and like here's what I would say: the one that I'm getting the most like, I don't know, merit from or what most poll or whatever you want to yeah. say is when did you become a man to just a man? Like when was the date or when did you think that you became a man? Because I'm thinking of this rite of passage thing yeah. and I want to be able to have a gift for, for my son. And it's, it's crazy. And I think this is the way God's encouraged me today is like every person I have this conversation with, they're like, huh, I've never had this, but what you're doing to your son is an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you would just say like, no, this is the day that I feel like I turned into be a man. Uh, yeah. It's fun to see people like, when did I turn into be a man? So I would be willing to bet most men would not be able to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for listening. We'll uh we'll actually compile our questions into a document. And if you want, you can download that for free. We'll put that in the show notes. But uh yeah, hopefully these questions resonate and inspire you just to reflect honestly on what's most important to you and mm-hmm. how you're doing with just daily living out this uncommon calling. So Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review, and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.